To read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stay. And I'm Mark DeVoe. And thank you to our sponsors, ProWritingAid, the official editing software of the Bestseller Experiment. ProWritingAid is so much more than just a grammar checker. It's a style editor and writing mentor all in one package. And I've been using myself in email of all things, and it's absolutely brilliant for just getting things right when I'm sending out emails to loads of people. Mm. So, but you can just also use it in Word, Google Docs, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, OpenOffice, Outlook. It just pretty much integrates with anything. So if you are interested in smartening up and getting a writing coach, which is really what it is, um, all listeners of this podcast can get a major 20% off right now. So pop along to prowritingaid.com choose your license length and enter the discount code BXP. Mr. Stay, how are you this week? I'm very good, sir. How are you? Doing absolutely great. We've got spring in the air here. Things are starting nice. to, uh, seed to start to come up. Yes, we've got, um, that. We've got, got a green garden, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah it's and everyone's stuff. easing. It feels like, I don't know about you, but it feels like everyone's kind of easing into this lockdown. Everyone's, we're still in it, but we are, Everyone's feeling a little bit more used to it, and there's a bit more normality, if you like, which I find really fascinating, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious, actually, just kind of talking about the lockdown. We were interested to see how many people have been have have been affected in terms of their writing. Like, has it is it a good opportunity or is it an a not so good opportunity. And I saw a really interesting discussion the other day about people saying it's, it's kind of extremes. It's the two extremes. Some people say, wow, this is great. I've got so much time to write. I've never had so much time to write. I'm finally able to get my book written. And other people are saying, absolute nightmare. Kids are at home. Yeah. 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 And, and so there doesn't seem to be much middle ground. And uh, what have you been hearing your end? Well, finally, I mean, we'll come to this in a minute. Well, we've got some, we're going to kick off some good news stuff from the BXP team and our listeners. Um, but I am, like you say, it is, it, it does seem to be quite binary. But that said, if you're not getting any writing done, even if you don't have a house full of kids, uh, if even if you, you know, don't have a, a job that, you know, is uh, frontline or whatever, don't feel bad if you're not getting any writing done at the moment because it's, um, the world has turned on its head. Mm. And I think it's completely understandable if you just want to put the pen down for a while and and th- and think about life, you know. Yeah. But I, uh, I mean, I uh, to start with, I couldn't, I couldn't write, but I've I've got back into the swing, and I've I've finished three short stories, and I'm working on a fourth. So uh, that's helped. Not that's brilliant. Not having a mega project. Yeah, has has just having those short stories has been really enjoyable because I can generally write one in a few days, a week or so, mm-hmm. and then just put it to one side, and that's great. You know, it's it's a what, really good feeling. What's the idea behind doing short stories? What was the reason for doing those as opposed to starting something big? Well, it was it's uh, it's part of a top secret thing. Because there's going to be a book one, there's going to be a book two, and these short stories are going to bridge those two books. Have I just like, stepped on a landmine? Did I just yeah, step yeah, on yeah. a landmine? <laughs> <laughs> but it, they, they, I, I had been putting them off. I had been putting them mm. off thinking, oh, I, I, I don't need to do these maybe for another year. Yeah. But I figured, you know what? It just feels more manageable. And I'm reading, I'm reading Joe Hill's short story collection, oh, Full I've, Throttle. I've got that as well, yeah. It's terrific. It's brilliant, it's really, isn't it? It's, there's a, really, there's a, really the one good. that he does with his dad, Stephen King, if you haven't heard yes. of that. But I was <laughs> really one... interested to read about the fact he was very open about his upbringing in the intro of the book. That's yeah, what made him yeah. get the book and get it. Yeah. But if you haven't yeah. heard the, the Joe Hill episode, by the way, pop back to episode like one of the very earlies. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. One of my favourite all-time interviews. But the reason I asked Mark about that is that, um, and this is a bit of a coaching tip for everyone out there, a big writing coaching tip for you this week, is because of what's happening in the world, because of the corona outbreak, everybody's uh, habits, routines have been reset, literally. Like so many people uh, have had everything like, 
turned upside down. And when that happens, it turns, it actually knocks on, knocks onto all of our other habits. So if you were writing consistently and now you found you're not, or if you weren't writing consistently before and now you're thinking of doing it, but you just aren't able to get going, this is a really massive opportunity because of the big reset in habits, you get to kind of restart in some ways. But so it's not to feel bad that you're not writing right now, but also to remember that if you if you even have this slight urge to do it, I really recommend trying it because it's an opportunity to get the writing habit in grain now and then you can continue that once things start to return back to some degree of normality it's it's it has helped me because i hit that 200 word cross that line and i relax and i breathe easily <laughs> and i feel like okay even if i stop right now i've done what i need to do for the day I love it. and it, it, it did help me get back in the swing of things it's Absolutely like the headspace it's like the headspace well-being uh challenge for writers you know just do your 200 words and then and you don't carry around exactly. the pressure and stress. Actually, it's a really good point. You don't carry around the pressure and the stress for the rest of the day thinking, I've got to do my writing, got to do my writing. And that yeah. is, that is a, an, an unconscious stress that we carry around. So yeah, get your 200 words done and then chill, chill. Mm. Write and then chill. Brilliant. So tell <laughs> us what's been going on on, on social media because there is, there is a lot of good news that we want to share with everyone and keep everyone this inspired and motivated. We'll, so we'll, we'll start with the BXP team, which is our patron supporters exclusive group on Facebook, uh, I said, you know, give us your good news. And I've been inundated. So if I don't read yours out, sorry, but there were just loads of them. So Abigail Mann, uh, I fit nearly 80 reviews on NetGalley for my debut, The Lonely Fajita, which comes out on 14th of May. Uh, wow. She's got a horrible developmental edit for a book to get done by the 11th. Uh, but then it's celebration time. And I said, are you going to celebrate with real fajitas? And she said, you've literally guessed my launch night idea. Kind <laughs> uh, <laughs> of a giveaway in the title, really. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, Richie Yanakowicz, I want to talk more about this at the end because we'll do some more social media at the end but Richie who I think has been listening since day one uh, mm. is one of our, our most established and loyal listeners so salute you Richie anyway but he's published a novel to Kindle a secret novel to Kindle under a pseudonym we'll talk more about that at the end mm. and he's got another out with readers and he's working on a third so he's put a sign up on his door which says dear family I'm working please ignore me so that's one way to cope <laughs> with with a house full of kids you know so that's great Congratulations Brilliant. on that, Richie. Well done, Richie. Uh, Dylan O'Cassidy, since the confinement, uh, confinement, I've gone from scraping two to 300 words a day, often at lunchtime in work, to two to 3,000 words a day. Wow. The 2020 challenge definitely helps. I just look at it as scrabbling for the 200. Then next thing I know, I'm finishing off a 15-page chapter. So Dylan is smashing it. Thank you, Dylan. And that again, for everyone out there, thank you for inspiring everyone. That's the whole point of the challenge. You just don't know what you're actually going to do. You know you're going to get 200, but who knows? And that's brilliant. And I wonder, very, very quick thought on that, Dylan. Would that have happened if you hadn't have done the challenge? Probably not. So this is a, almost like a kind of a Olympic training course yeah. in some ways. Brilliant. Love it. Um, Darius uh, says, I'm looking after my toddler most of the week while the nursery is closed. So I've been catching up a lot on BBC radio sitcoms and listening to a lot of podcasts. So, you know, that that counts. That counts as, you know, if you're listening, you're, you're taking stuff in. So that's yeah. cool. Laura Bradbury. Laura says, uh, I'm one of those authors who is transparent about money because I think it helps all of us make better decisions. And Laura says, I've made almost $7,000 so far in my launch month for my grape Quebec. Huzzah! Which is fantastic. Wow. So this is this is her memoir, My Grape Quebec. I heard the other day, it's not Quebec, it's Quebec, isn't it? Quebec, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, My Grape Quebec at seven grand in the first month, launch month. That is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. So Laura, take my hat off to you. That is Hot just knobs incredible. on Laura. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Congratulations, Laura. Keep us up posted as well, because we want to see, you know, if you're starting with 7K, what, what happens next? That's, that's yeah. phenomenal. Absolutely. Rhoda, Rhoda Baxter, uh, I've put my next novella, That Holiday in France, up for pre-order. Now, if you love rom-coms and if you're listening to this week's episode with Aisha Malik, I'm sure you love a rom-com, check out Rhoda Baxter. Uh, but That Holiday in France is up for pre-order. She's also been making Lego versions of my book covers for the R&A's book covers covered challenge. So. 
brilliant. It's brilliant. Like, that's wow. just superb. Um, Lorna Cook. Well, we couldn't go a week without mentioning Lorna Cook. You know, best-selling author, award-winning, RNA-winning author. The Forbidden Promise, her novel, made number one on iBooks Canada this week, uh, so, which is just fantastic. Uh, she said, of course, I'm missing all the news about my own book because I'm smothered in children and no idea what day of the week it is. But I'm... <laughs> Smothered in children, I love it. <laughs> uh, Robin Sarti has finished the rewrite of my current project two days ahead of schedule. She shall make more cake tomorrow to celebrate. Congratulations on that, Robin. Great stuff. Julian Barr has finished a short story, which has gotten great feedback and hit the big red button on my very first audio book. Now, I must say, I read Julian's short story and it is Blimmin' amazing! It, I, it's, I was lucky enough to get an early, early version of that, so it's it's absolutely stonking stuff. Julian, Julian's just going from strength to strength. Um, Jeff White he said after listening to the episode with Heather Fit, who talked about blog tours and our audiobook blog tour, uh, he's contacted her about doing a blog tour to coincide with the one-year anniversary of his novel, The Swordsman Lament. Uh, they've agreed a budget and a plan, and it's going to run in September. So that's fantastic. That's good. that's amazing. And I've got to say, Mark, actually on the on the audiobook front, I. I'm really liking audiobooks and not just not just obviously listening to them but I'm really liking them from a author's perspective because you know we launched our audiobook back to reality if you haven't tried it get yourself onto uh, to Amazon Audible you can download it and listen to it now but it really it, it really brings to life a whole new concept around the actual book but also in terms of royalties the royalties per per sale are so much higher than say an average Kindle royalty though so if you're considering audiobooks do check out go go onto our website and have a search for audio books because we've done a few deep dives and interviews around that and it's well well worth considering it's a definite it's a big job but it's worth i think it's worth the effort for sure yeah, really, really cool. And we've had some really amazing reviews, many of which single out our reader, Kim Breton, who is just terrific. So mm. uh, do do check that out. Shell Vess, uh, she's written 10,000 words in a short story that's nearly done and a new writing streak of 60 days. Thanks nice. to BXP 2020. 60 days, Shell. That's Congratulations. Brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, Josh Atkinson, another writer. I look forward to reading his stuff. Uh, he's published a short story a week, a short story every week so far in 2020. Josh, that is amazing. Uh, he's got he's got another four and another uh, and five working towards completion. That's just just incredible. So Josh, great work there. Wendy Tipping. It's after a month of focus and forty thousand words. I've decided to stop and reassess the words have been a struggle not flowing which to me indicates a problem on the positive side i'm honest enough to admit this is only my second novel and there's still so much more in the game to learn but that's great you know if you're getting to your if you're in your second novel you're starting to recognize where those issues are recognize where those problems are that's a sign of growth so wendy good luck to you uh, that's at forty thousand, kind of the muddy middle you know so yeah, um, and, and wendy there. it's super awesome for sharing that because i think it's so important for everyone who's part of this community everyone who listens to this podcast it's so important to be real about the struggles i mean we've always tried to be completely upfront and honest about what's you know what's happening in our writing worlds on this podcast and i think there's a sense of additional support there where people you know are brave enough and vulnerable enough to talk about the struggles they're having so that other people listening to the show can go oh it's not just me so thank you wendy for being honest and again i really want to encourage that with everyone you know tell us what your struggles are because it's not just about you know the million selling successes that we we talk about and people we interview because they all have the struggles as well. So the more that we can talk about that, the challenges, I think the better for everyone. So it's great. Absolutely awesome. And last but by no means least, Angela Nurse. Uh, good news is I finally felt well enough to work on editing my book, Jack in a Box. And I've now got it in the hands of my alpha reader, my husband. <laughs> I know they say don't alpha take reader. feedback from your nearest and dearest, oh, but yeah. all I can say is they haven't met my husband. Zero chance of false praise. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, at least you know where you stand with your spouse. You see, that's the thing, right? <laughs> you, you kind of know what you're going to let yourself in for. And talking of that, Mark. Yes, well, speaking talking of, of that, speaks- Well, I, you know, last, if you heard the last um, episode of the podcast, we, we chatted with Mark's uh, lovely spouse, Claire, who did the most incredible thing, joined the BXP 2020 challenge and managed to write a book in just three and a bit months. The first time she's ever written a fiction book. Now, I remember last time when we talked about this, Mark, 
she said that she was going to give it to you. Mm. And I wasn't sure if that was such a wise thing to do. But apparently, <laughs> in the space of two weeks, he's not only given it to you, but you've actually done the first read-through. Is that right? I did a read-through. I did a proper reader's report on it. I went through it, did my usual kind of edit thing. And well. Is she still talking to you, Mark? That's the first question. <laughs> <laughs> or has she, is she, has she called a lawyer? <laughs> I, I'm recording this from a shed uh, <laughs> on, no. on, on day seven of your extended quarantine, <laughs> exactly, double isolation, yeah. right? No, go on. Tell, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I can't, I'm on tenderhooks. Tell, tell me how it went. How did it go? It's really good. No way, really? That's I fantastic. Know, I, I know Slight I'm biased. Slight okay, biased. I know I'm biased. But you're also, I don't think you'd say that on a podcast publicly if you didn't feel... No, that it was. If it wasn't any good, I wouldn't be bringing it up. Yeah, we'd just be. We'd have just six, you know, six, moving six, quickly on. Yeah. Oh, look, the last episode seems to have disappeared from our yeah, podcast exactly. list. <laughs> six weeks from now, someone will send us a tweet saying, "Well, didn't your wife write a book?" No, yeah, exactly. no, 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 yeah, all in your no. imagination. <laughs> it's brilliant. We're going to be rich. It's ah, <laughs> mate. It's it's but, really commercial. It's it's really funny. It's moving. That, I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but there are a couple of characters. Whenever these two characters encounter each other, it's just hilarious. It Brilliant. needs work, as any first draft does. And I've given her notes, and she's working through those now. Um, she has the advantage in that she can come down every now and then and go, what the hell are you all about here? And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can explain myself Editor to her. Editor on tap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but um. it's it's really, really good. I'm, I'm re It's a it's a heart-lifting read as well. It's uplifting, nice. you know, it makes you feel good. Brilliant. It has a murder in it, a grisly murder. <laughs> so it's, it's, there's, a, there's a whodunit element to it, but mm. it's a feel-good whodunit, you know? So um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrific. So, wow. you know, there's, there's a way to go yet. Might be a draft and, and a polish after that. There's police procedural stuff in there. Um, and we, we've got someone lined up to look at the police procedural stuff as well to, to double check that. And then, you know, then it's either, you know, self-publish or send to an agent or, or send to a publisher. We'll, you know, we'll, um, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But, well, the, um, the race is on now. The race is on because Claire's finished the first draft of the book. I know there's other people out there who've also managed to write and finish a book in the first couple yeah. of months of the challenge even though we said you know guys do it in 12 months people are like break, breaking the blooming rules and doing them in three instead like really honestly what, what do you have to do to get people to follow the rules but anyway they they've written the book and but now there's it feels like there's a bit of a race on who's going to be the first person to get the book out there maybe sign a major deal with a book that's come from the bxp 2020 challenge uh which is the first book that i mean who knows hits top 10 bestseller that started in the bxp 2020 challenge so i'm really i'm really excited to see where this goes and it's great that we can follow claire's journey with it because obviously you you, you know her quite well and mm. and also <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see you know the the ups and downs the journey and everything that we've kind of seen with so many authors but how this all started with a challenge and now we've got the we've got this incredible book and it's just i'm um, brilliant well do send her my congrats and mm. uh I hope that inspires everyone else to to get rocking with theirs as well. Actually, we mm. haven't mentioned it yet. We always mention it at least seven times on the show. But if you want to get involved in the BXP 2020 challenge, simply go along to bxp2020.com. Sign up yeah. and you can start writing today, tomorrow. You submit your word count every day to us, minimum of 200 words, and watch that word count grow like Jack's and the Beanstalks. Beanstalk. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So listen, Mark, we better dive into our massive interview we've got this week. None other than Aisha Malik. This was such a delightful interview. She's uh, born and raised in London, lover of books, writer of contemporary fiction, but she was also a publicist at Penguin Random House. She's a managing editor at Cornerstones Literary Consultancy. She's written three novels now, Sophia Khan is Not Obliged, and the sequel, The Other Half of Happiness, and her latest novel, The Green and Pleasant Land, is out now as well. Uh, she's been dubbed the Muslim 
Bridget Jones, or her novels have been dubbed the Muslim Bridget Jones. We talk about that. Uh, she's also known for ghostwriting the fiction for the great British Bake Off winner, Nadia Hassan, who was just lovely. And we talk about that. We also talk about first drafts, writing sequels, literary fiction versus commercial fiction, publicity tips, ghostwriting. There's tons in this. It's, it's really packed. Really, jam-packed. really is. So, everyone, brace yourselves, get ready. Best intro ever. Aisha Malik, chatting with none other than our Mr. Stay. Aisha, welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today? Very well, thank you. How are you? I, I'm tickety boo. Thank you for asking. Very few people ask that back, you know, so it's very considerate of you. Thank you so much. That's sad. <laughs> um, you've got a new book coming, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but you've got an incredible story, incredible background to your publishing story as you've worked in publishing extensively. And I want to talk about that later. But I. Uh, I want to talk to start with about your debut novel, which I read somewhere in an interview somewhere elsewhere that you had started writing literary fiction, yeah, but then switched to commercial fiction. And I'm I'm fascinated by the decision because I think certainly if you work in publishing, um, there is if and you want to be a writer, there is kind of maybe an expectation that you're going to write something, uh, something challenging and important. Was that what you set out to do, or, or what was your thinking behind switching from something literary to something commercial? Well, first of all, I made the I made the decision to switch because my literary fiction was shit. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel like I had much of a choice, to be quite honest. <laughs> I started out in publishing, and yes, I think there's a certain snobbery when it comes to what kind of fiction you're writing. And I think, and I I loved reading literary fiction um, when I was a teenager and in my 20s and the classics. And so to my mind, it was always something that I wanted to, to write. And so it just felt like a natural fit. However, I started writing this thing. It was 18,000 words long. It, was, it, took, it took me three years to write 18,000 words, which in, its, in wow. and of itself is kind of telling you something. <laughs> um, and then, I, you know, I would often go to work, uh, speak to my colleagues about the Muslim dating world, right? And I loved Bridget Jones mm. and Helen Fielding's writing. I loved Bridget Jones, the books, the movies, and... I was kind of stuck in this literary fiction book, which wasn't really going anywhere. And um, I, and then it just kind of came to me. I just thought, oh, what if I wrote a Muslim Bridget Jones? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of conceived of the idea as a Muslim Bridget Jones because I was such a fan. And then, and then I guess the rest is history because it was, you know, one of the best pieces of advice that my colleague at Cornerstones gave me was to just finish the first draft. Mm. And so whilst with the literary fiction book, aside from the fact that it was shit, I'd spent so long kind of editing, re-editing, going back, making sentences as beautiful as they could do. And then they ended up sounding self-conscious. And so that piece of advice actually worked really well for me. With Sophia Khan, I just thought, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go into it and I'm going to just write the first draft. I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to edit. And actually, I mean, it was a structural nightmare to go back and edit. But at the same time, it was the very first book I'd ever started and finished. And I'd started several others, which aren't worth really mentioning, to be quite honest. And so for me, that that's when I felt like a writer when I'd actually finished the book. Absolutely. This is, we hear this. I mean, this is what started this podcast. My co-presenter, he got 20, he he got 20,000 words into so many books, but couldn't finish them. And just that, the fact that you finish something really gives you something to work with, doesn't it? Yeah, I was I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to do it again, though. <laughs> right, yes. You, you start wondering <laughs> if it's a fluke. <laughs> I continue to be terrified each time I sit down to write another book. So there we have it. Yeah, well, that, that's I, 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 we've spoken to many authors on this podcast, and that's quite a common fear. So don't worry, you're not alone in that. Now, we're talking about your debut novel, uh, Sophia Khan is Not Obliged, which you refer to as the Muslim Bridget Jones. Now, that's... that. 
that's as with any kind of shout line and it's the shout if i go on amazon now that's you know you see that quoted several times yeah. as with any shout line it's it's reductive mm. but as a former sort of publicist you must have thought that's so intriguing and catchy and people are going to want to to dig into that but shout lines are quite reductive did you did you struggle with that at all or did you just go this is fantastic i'm going with this basically the latter Okay. I, I felt that it kind of encapsulated what the book was. And mm. yeah, it's a bit reductive in the sense that a lot of people have come back to me and said, you know, it's so much more than Bridget Jones. And there's yeah. other people saying this to me, not me. Um, although I do enjoy hearing it, obviously. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, you, the, the, those one-line pitches are what agents look for. And as I said, I conceived of the idea as a Muslim Bridget Jones. And when it came to actually looking for an agent, it was a really good strap line to use um, to try and mm. sell it to them. And, you know, it worked. Excellent. And we say it worked. I mean, it also got you on the WH Smith Fresh Talent. I mean, we, we go back to talking about writing literary, literary fiction, want to do something important, but there's a commercial side of us that wants to be, you know, displayed all over the front of a WH Smith's. And you got it. Had you expected anything like that? No, I, do you know what? Um, I, I had high hopes, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think, I don't think it's necessary, it's necessary that just because something's commercial fiction, it's not important. Yes. So yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah so I do. I don't think the book's important per se. It's not like, you know, no one wants to be that person who thinks they're writing an important book. But the reason I think people engaged with it is because it shone a light on a on a kind of life that we don't really read about in fiction. Mm. And so the protagonist is Muslim. She wears a hijab. She's sweary. She smokes. She dates. She doesn't have sex before marriage and mm. she doesn't drink. And so I think people were kind of intrigued by the idea of someone who is um, in some ways quite understandable as a character and quite universal in what she wants and what she's looking for, but also quite different. And because we have a certain narrative surrounding Muslims and a certain negativity attached to um, Islam and people who are who practice their faith, I think that's what maybe drew people towards the book. Because mm. I, I read somewhere, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I read somewhere the inspiration for this book was, was a, came from a time when you were accused of being, someone called you a terrorist. Yeah, they did. So tell us about that. That was a good old moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, was, I was walking down Tooting High Street Tooting right. Street, if you've been to Tooting, you'll know that it's very multicultural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not brown people, not black people. And, I mean, there was a time when white people used to be kind of in the minority, and that's slowly changing, or has changed, actually. Anyway, um, and I was walking down the street, and I remember I was wearing my hijab, and um, I just heard someone say, terrorist. And um, I... I kind of looked around. I was like, "Oh God, where?" And <laughs> how removed I am from reality, by the way. And says something about where my head is at in, at any given moment. Um, and then I realised this this man was referring to me. And by this time, he'd he'd already walked past me. But I remember, you know, he was quite tall, quite broad, grey hair, glasses. Not the kind of man you would assume would say such a thing hmm. and and I just I just remember just looking down at my shoes and just thinking and they were these lovely kind of slightly mad um vintage shoes and I just thought terrorists don't wear vintage shoes <laughs> and, and I thought and that moment, I mean when I had that moment obviously I didn't think oh haha Aisha you're so funny but I remember telling the story to people the following day and I thought, oh, that's a, that would be a good moment to have in a book because, mm. and there are all these different kind of things that, that happened in life, which I felt were kind of dark and sad, but also there's a lightness to them and the, the way certain issues can be approached. If you approach them with comedy, then suddenly it's a lot more engaging. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So you have this debut novel, which 
gets on the, you know, W. Smith's fresh talent and it starts conversations. And then the publisher comes to you and they want a sequel, The Other Half of Happiness. Was that always on? Did you sign a two book deal? Was there always an expectation? Because you, you spoke earlier about is this a one off or is this just a fluke? Was yeah. how was that difficult second album kind of syndrome? Oh God, um, I I did sign a two book contract. Uh-huh. I wasn't sure I wanted to write a sequel, and actually, the book, the second book that I wanted to write, was what ended up becoming my third book. Uh-huh. Um, but the publishers felt there was um, there was space for a sequel, and that that would be a good idea. And actually, in retrospect, it was it was wonderful for me because writing the second book is actual hell. And I remember speaking to my agent and she said, don't worry, Aisha, you're not the only one. Everyone Mm. hates writing their second book. It is literally the worst book you will ever write in terms of just how you feel about it. And probably also the worst book you'll ever write, possibly. And um, so that was really difficult. But what was good was I had about nine to ten months to write it. But... What it allowed me to do was I already had most of the characters. I knew what the narrative structure was, the diary format. And so it, I didn't have to worry about a lot of things that you, I would have had to worry about if I had been writing a completely fresh novel. So in some ways, it was a real blessing, actually. Yeah, I guess that, that heavy lifting on the character side and the situation side is, is kind of done for you. But again, if you're not planning to write a sequel, it can kind of catch you on the, on the back foot a bit. Any, any tips for writing a sequel for listeners out there? Oh God, just get through it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like thinking about it. It was just such a horrible time. <laughs> I mean, one thing I did learn with the first book is, and you know, I literally tweeted about this about three hours ago saying the next time I say structure your book before you write it, throw tomatoes at me because <laughs> I'm not doing that right now for my fourth book. But it does really help if you have a structure in place for the second book because, you know, writing your first book, you have a lot of time, you know, you spend, it can take you years to write your first book and there's no contract, there's no pressure of kind of having to revise, um, having to edit on the back of an editor's notes, you know, very much um, something that you do for yourself almost. Mm. Second book has a lot of there's a lot of pressure involved. There's expectations, and then obviously there's the crippling self doubt, which all writers. Mm. Um, and so I think being able to structure the novel and having a fair idea of where the story is going to go is is probably a good idea because it will you know because that will be one less thing to worry about basically. Um, mm. And just and just get through it. Absolutely. It's interesting. I've um, having worked for a publisher myself. You see proposals come through for series, and and very often the author will have done a little paragraph for each book in the series that they're proposing. I mean, they reserve the right to completely change that, but at least they have. It gives the publisher some idea of where it's going, yeah. and makes them a little more confident in you as a as a going concern, I guess. Oh yeah, the publishers love love it when you have an idea of what you're writing next. Mm-hmm. You can go in and say, yes, this is the idea of my first book. I already have an idea for a second book. And even if, like you say, it changes completely, I think it does. It just because, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of one trick ponies out there, I guess. It's very mm-hmm. easy to kind of write one book and then not really, really think about the rest. Whereas if you, you show that you have given it thought, then I guess a publisher sees that you're in it for the long haul and that their investment in you is you know is a bit more justifiable Mm, absolutely yeah it's very very true let's talk about your new book this green and pleasant land now is this the book you originally wanted to write as your second book yes okay tell tell us about this green and pleasant land so this green and pleasant land is about a muslim man who's living with his family in a kind of quintessential Dorset-type village, English village. And he's very removed from his kind of Pakistani identity, his Muslim identity, and he's what you would call assimilated, and I'm using air quotes for that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And his mother, who's from Birmingham, 
kind of fears for his soul. She's really worried about the fact that he's lost his way. He lives with all these white people. He doesn't really speak his language anymore. He doesn't really have any connection to his faith. And this really troubles her. And he goes back to Birmingham because um, she's actually dying. And on her deathbed, she asks him to build a mosque in his village. Right. And suddenly she dies and she leaves him with that request. And he's suddenly kind of besieged by this feeling of guilt at A, never having been the son that he thinks his mother wanted and B, you know, not fulfilling her request. And so after six months of kind of struggling with this, which isn't, you know, that there's, you don't actually see the whole six months, obviously, for mm. pacing reasons, obviously. Um, <laughs> he's kind of struggles with this guilt and then he decides, okay, you know what? I'm just going to give it a go. It's not going to work anyway, but this way I have tried at least. And that's all that matters. And so he announces his intention at the at the local council meeting. And it kind of sets a series of events going in which suddenly the community he thought he was a part of actually had conditions upon it. And part of that condition was that you leave your kind of cultural heritage to one side. Yes. And so it kind of explores what it means to be Muslim in Britain and what it means, uh, what preservation means to us, what change means to us, how do we move forward, all kind of under the umbrella of this kind of, a, a kind of um, dramedy, I guess, because there is mm. comedy in it. There's, but there are more, there are darker issues in it as well. And I hope that I kind of explore all perspectives with a kind of, empathy so that it's not the book isn't kind of an accusation it's not a kind of um degrading of what british values are it's more a kind of exploration of how we can reconcile certain aspects of who we are and what our history is and how to kind of bring that together so that you know, so that we can be a community. Hmm. Well, you, uh, I read somewhere you did some research. You went and stayed in a Dorset village for a while, which is, you know, a bit different to South London, which is where you're from. So uh, how long did you spend down there? What sort of research did you do? Yeah, I went to West Dorset and I stayed in a lovely village called Longbreedy. And I was there for a month. Wow. And I stayed in the West Wing of this rather magnanimous, house really quite extraordinary it was pink <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you really couldn't make it up with these two really wonderful people and I, I found out about the place because my ex-boss lives in Dorset so she told me about it I rented out the west wing and um, I just kind of became a part of village life and I spoke to people and I wanted to see people's reaction when I said that this is a story I'm writing and really kind of try and uncover what people truly felt about it. I don't think I quite, I don't think anyone was truly honest about their feelings. And I think that a lot of that had to do with the fact that I'm Muslim and I wear a hijab mm. and maybe she's coming here to build a mosque in our village. <laughs> 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 Shit. Um, how do we get rid of her, but incredibly politely. Um, but I did, you know, I, I kind of, I feel, I feel that I got enough of a sense to be able to go and, and write the book with, I hope, I hope a kind of uh, a truthfulness. Hmm. Well, it's getting the most amazing customer reviews on the likes of Goodreads and Amazon, and it's such a great premise. And I believe, did I read somewhere, it's been optioned as well, so there could be a movie on the way? or um, Fingers crossed, a series. Let's see what happens. Wow, fantastic. Got everything crossed for that. Now, we've mentioned uh, briefly that you've been a publicist uh, for a major publisher. Uh, you're at Penguin Ran Random House, weren't you? So um, any any publicity tips for authors, for our listeners out there? I mean, I was a pretty bad publicist, to be quite honest. <laughs> the reason I only lasted two years. Um, 
I had to get out of there. They, they just weren't having any more of it. No, that's, that's <laughs> a lie. I pretended to be really good at my job. And if you spoke to my ex-boss, she'd still say I was excellent. But I have my doubts. I, you know, in, in an age where social media kind of rules, I really hate to say, make sure you, you, you're on social media, make sure you're doing this, make sure you're doing that, because I just kind of feel like it, it's a bit cynical. Having mm. said that, um, it's also, I think it's quite important and necessary, unfortunately, nowadays to have a media presence. And when you think, actually, and this is probably something that I didn't really think about before my first book came out, is to really think about what your brand is going to be. And again, that mm. sounds really cynical, but, you know, what kind of author do you want to be? What kind of books do you want to write? That's not to say that you can't change your mind, but it's good to have a strong idea of who your kind of comparable writers are. And that's for, for your publishers as well. So yes, yeah, social media presence, be prepared. Be prepared to do your own kind of marketing and publicity as well, because, you know, publishers are, are busy and they will, they're not going to give their all to every book that just, it just, it's not tenable. It can't work. And so I think if you have kind of low expectations, then anything above and beyond that is a nice surprise, but be prepared to do publicity, you know, visit your local library and make sure you have good ties with them so that you can do events and, and that kind of thing. This is absolutely all. Sp I spent the last year doing this with my novel, and it's um, uh, and again from working at a publisher, you know, you know, new books they'll get all the attention in those first few weeks, and then everyone in the department, publicity, marketing, sales, they've all got to move on to the next thing because publishers are you know knocking out fifty, sixty books a month, some of them at least. So, yeah, that's absolutely solid advice. Um, so before we wind this up, I've also seen that you're a ghostwriter for Nadia Hussein. Now, we're big fans of Nadia in this house. Now, is she as lovely as she is on the TV or is she even more lovely than she is on the TV? And I can't say no now, can I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Or is, or is she, she a monster? You know? <laughs> she's absolutely not a monster, though. She is, she is very lovely. She's, you know, she's one of those people that what you see is what you get. So, yeah, she's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And how's that been work? You, you've been working on her adult fiction, is that right? Yeah, so I, I finished all three of her books, actually. I don't think the third one is out yet. I think that's out next year. Um, yes, I think next year the third one is out, possibly. I can't, I, I don't remember. But um, I thought that was, it was such a great experience for me because it really, really taught me how to be a professional writer. Right. It taught me the value of just sitting down nine to five and banging out two and a half thousand words a day and that you can complete a novel in two months, which if you don't have a full-time job, obviously, um, mm -hmm. but you can complete a novel in two months. If you have the structure, if you have all the characters, if you have a really solid idea of what's what, that's completely attainable. So it really, it was, it was a masterclass in kind of writing as a professional. That's fascinating. So Nadia comes up with story ideas, character ideas, uh, maybe an outline, and you knock it into shape. Is that how it works? Yeah, we um, we we would sit down, we'd brainstorm um, what the story would be, what the, who the characters would be, and what Nadia wanted, and then I'd go away. Um, the editor would send me the storyboard, so a chapter by chapter breakdown of everything that we discussed. I'd have a character profile and then I'd bang out the story in two months. <laughs> Fantastic. This is this is from someone who spent ten years writing eighteen thousand words. So that's quite a quite a <laughs> difference there, isn't there? Not, not ten years, three years. Oh okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't really that much better to be quite honest. It might as well have been ten. <laughs> okay. So uh Aisha, what's next for you? Um, I've actually just started this week writing my fourth book. Fantastic. That's terrifying. Um, <laughs> I, I, I find it really difficult to talk about anything that I have in progress. Um, Fair enough. Now, we understand that. We've, we've had this before because you put energy into that. Yeah. 
which would you'd rather go into the writing so i totally understand if you want to hold back on that but um it'd be lovely if you could come on the show and tell us about that when that happens oh, um, thank, you. thank you where can folks find you online so i have a twitter handle obviously aisha malik and i have a website as well which i haven't updated for about six months so don't visit that um so yeah i'm i'm all over social media wonderful stuff well aisha thank you so much for speaking to us today and best of luck with this green and pleasant land thank you so much mark what a fantastic interview and you know it comes up again and again doesn't it mark that that difficult second album that difficult second book (sighs) yeah and that's such great advice just you know just finish it <laughs> right mean, it, it's it's interesting the um because i'm having to think about sequels at the moment uh and i've got paragraphs for sequels to book one of this series that i'm working on and um it's uh, it is i've actually never written a sequel before i've never written a book two or of anything and it's very much on my mind at the moment so there is that pressure of delivering the same but different, the same but better, hopefully. Uh, but also, you know, g- giving people the things that they love, but delivering more. And it's, um, you know, if you've got a clock ticking as well, you know, if, you've, if you're under a contract, in fact, even if you're an indie author, there is an expectation, you know, that your readers will want a second book at some time at some point so there's that public declaration thing kicking in as well whether you like it or not whether you made one or not there'll be a release date and if you're a publisher publisher there's a critical path so you've you've really got to deliver so yeah but um yeah just finish it (laughs) yeah i think i think it's it's kind of interesting as well i mean firstly we should say that writing a second book and having struggling with a second book what a great problem to have because let's be honest let's be honest if you look at the statistics and i have been i've been delving into the statistics of of people who who want to write a book people who want to write a book and actually start a book people who start a book and actually finish the book and then people who finish the book and actually publish the book it's an incredibly small number by the time you get to the end of that process we're talking about less than one percent of people who want to write a book actually ever write one and finish one and it's even lower when you get to publishing so firstly writing a second book i think anyone who's struggling with that problem anyone who's not even finished their first book are saying well that's the kind of problem i'd love to have so i say look forward to that problem of writing a second book because it's the same for everyone and it's the same whether you're a musician uh uh, you know an author um but what i found really interesting from what aisha said was she said that the advice she got was it, it, it'll probably be the worst book you'll ever write. And <laughs> I wonder, it's kind of, and, and it's interesting, right? Because I guess with the first book, you've always got that excitement and expectation. It's, it's a novel novel, right? It's a new thing that you've, you've made, you know, you've never been through that process before. I remember when we did it, you know, for me, that was a really brilliant experience going through back, writing back to reality with you, Mark, because I'd never gone through the process of actually getting to mm. the end. And there's an excitement and a lot of that, I guess you don't necessarily get with the second book because you've already, you know, you've already tasted it once. Uh, I think you do, but it's um, like you say, that clock is ticking. And uh, this is why we say it's so important to celebrate these moments, to to give yourself a moment just to say, you know what, I've done it again, you know, because to do it once is one thing to do it twice is, is just extraordinary. So, um, and then to go on and keep doing it. But um, I, this is, this, I think this is the myth. There is a myth that, oh, I've broken through. It's all going to be gravy from now on. But if anything, it gets harder. You still get rejections. You still get knockbacks. You still get one-star reviews. You still get critiques. You still get publishers saying, I'm not going to publish your next book. You know, it's, um, there's, you're not going to step beyond the curtain and suddenly you're in Oz and everything's wonderful. This is, um, this is going to be a tough old career. Yeah. And I think, I think the thing, so, so when, when Aisha said, the worst book you'll ever write. I mm. wonder if it, she might she might have meant the hardest book you'll ever write. Yeah, because yeah. I think I think it's actually the process that's the hardest. The second book, because what we've got is you've you've firstly got you've you've been you've been through it once, and you, so you know you can do it. So that makes things easier. You know you can get to the end of the second book. So there's a little less pressure there. 
like you say, second second point is that you've got maybe a deadline, you've got reader expectation, that adds more pressure. But then the additional pressure, which no one ever has on their first book, is the expectation that it should be at least as good as the first book, but everyone's expecting it to be better because, well, you're a better author now and you've had, mm. you know, and you're going to build on your success. And I think it's that part, you know, and it's the same in music as well. It's that difficult second album. Um, that I think that getting through that process of writing the second book is a, a badge of honor that everyone should do. And I, I understand why Isha says, just get through it because you've done it. And then it's kind of interesting. You never hear of that difficult third book. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's hard. It's always hard. We know it's hard, right? <laughs> but that's not a phrase that you hear very often. So it's a very good point. <laughs> it's a really interesting kind of badge of honor. And I think we should, we should all jump on that and, and, you know, like I say to everyone who's struggling to even finish their first book, this is, this is a dream to get to the difficult second book. And I think we embrace it, love it, and know that through the struggle, we get even better and even stronger as a writer. So it's like going to even, you know, you can work out in slightly bigger machines now because you've been working out in that, you know, that first book, Jim. Get on the second book, Jim. By the time you hit your third book, you're starting to really kind of probably find your stride. So yeah, it's a lot of work, isn't it? It's a lot of work. It is, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We should do a whole session. We should do a whole podcast episode on whether writers are actually masochists deep down oh yeah oh well look you know i mean it's, it's a hypothesis it's, right it's already answered really just but like just how much of our first year you know yeah, how much of a masochist like let's compare it to other things you could actually put yourself through in life like what else yeah. could you put yourself through which would be comparable to writing a book well this is the thing i've always said writing a book and rewriting a book it's like failing a little less every time you, you do something the first time it's like if you decorate your house and you've painted on the sofa, you know, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh, oh, and I've painted on the carpet as well. Oh, why did I do that for? You know, you, you, you know, there are there are some things where you can follow instructions and it works. You, there is no set of instructions for. There's, you know, you can teach things like structure. You can teach things like craft, but. Actually, writing a novel is a very personal thing. It's different for you, every author, and for every author, it's different every time. Mm. And it's a, it's a journey of discovery. Because and the other thing is you change every time you write a book. I'm a different person now than I was when we started this podcast, than I was yep. three years before that, and I'll be a different person in two years from now. So that process is um you know it's a process of uh self-discovery masochism <laughs> yes <laughs> a pain threshold yeah. right i mean uh, you know i've uh, you get your first set of notes back on a script or a book and every time i think surely i know how to do this by now <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and, and the reassuring is i mean the the quote from aisha in this is is she said you know she's uh, every time she's she's still terrified when she, it comes to writing each book yeah and i i hear that you hear that from Joanne Harris and, and people like that. So it's it's a it's kind of a reassuring club to be in to know you're not alone. It's actually about getting comfortable with that feeling of, yeah. of terror. It's not yeah. about if people are writing their first book thinking it will solve that problem and they'll be very confident as a writer. The the research we've done proves the opposite not the opposite, but we it proves that it's one of those things that you almost it's almost like it's almost like needing the adrenaline before you go on stage it actually will help you if somebody starts to really believe they're the bee's knees then actually everything might fall to bits and they might write their worst writing so i think you know it's like embracing that that uh, challenge that fear that anxiety of am i am i going to be am i going to be able to write another good story because i remember robin stevens she that was one of the things that always stood out from the interview we did with her is that you know even though she had a lot of success with the books every single time she still felt like a fraud when she sat down yeah. to write her next book and it's like maybe that will never change but you maybe get a little bit more comfortable but it's about it's about getting finding the comfort in that space and feeling the fear and doing it anyway and i think that that's uh you know, it, it's fascinating the more people we speak to that we, we just hear that over and over again. The fear isn't just about completing the task as well. The fear is a because it's a very personal thing. Writing, you know, you're putting your feelings on paper very often. You're putting these thoughts and you might think these can be exposing or I just might be wrong. Am I right about this? You know, because you're talking, writing about the human experience and uh it's funny because the screenplay I've, I've been working on comes from a very it's a horror movie but it comes from a very personal place and a very personal fear that i have 
And I, it, it was a bit scary thinking, because I'm working on this with the director as well. I'm thinking, if I put this on there, is he going to think I'm an idiot? Is he going to fit? And he's just done a, a pitch video for our project where at the end, and this is unprompted, he said, oh, I think this is the best thing Mark Stair's ever written. And I was, my little heart fluttered because I thought that even if the film never gets made, it's kind of worth it to hear that because it was um, it was it was a little bit scary because you put yourself out there. And yeah. this this comes back to something that Aisha was saying at the beginning. She was trying to write an important literary book and it she wasn't taking any joy in it so she wrote something commercial but in writing something commercial she also wrote about something important mm -hmm. you know she's writing about her own cultural experience and and that speaks to a great audience and, and by writing something personal but putting it in a commercial frame she's you know this this author who's now on wh smith's fresh talent list and she's her you know it's things are being adapted into tv shows i mean that's so i think you do have to it's all very well saying okay i'm going to write a thriller and it's just going to be a thriller that's great that's fine if that's what you want to do that's brilliant but i think what one of the things we're seeing with these authors who become bestsellers who break through who win awards they do put themselves into these books which is a scary thing to do but ultimately i think it's worth it yeah i think we see that a lot now even online where the new way of communicating with any kind of audience whether it's you know even just a youtube superstar and their fan base the reason the people are you know, millions and millions of people are subscribing to this youtube channel of a guy running around his house talking about his life is because he's being vulnerable and open and real and mm. it's not there's no longer this kind of filter between what we used to see on say tv something very beautifully produced and this is a this is the guy's life or the girl's life and you're, you're seeing it up front and the and everyone loves that and i think that's using the same kind of idea of this vulnerability and, and putting yourself out there. What's nice about writing a book is it can be disguised. It doesn't have to be completely out there. This is me, yes. this is my life, these are my problems. You can put them through characters and the like, but you're still creating the opportunity for the listener, or in the case of a book, a reader, to actually associate with that character and, and gain something from that. And again, I'm not alone. It's not just me. Oh, I have those weird thoughts. I have yeah. those fears, right? And it's the way that that all connects. So I find that's fascinating. Um, and I and I just think that it's a uh, it's a it's an incredible thing. And she, the, the, you talked to well as well about comedy and using comedy as a way of dealing with very serious issues. Now we did that in in Back to Reality, um, mm. and. I think that's so, so important as well for people, you know, talking about what Aisha's doing with with a kind of a rom-com. It's, again, it's not just about entertaining someone and making someone laugh. It's actually sometimes about using comedy as the vehicle to get something really important across. And I'm seeing this so much more with stand-up comedians. Like if you want to go on Netflix, you know, they're almost like activists now. Um, <laughs> and, and they're, and they're, and they're, they're, they're able to kind of make a really important point about society or an individual or something that's happening in the world. But because they're doing it and they're making people laugh, everyone listens to it, and, but they're still making that point. So I think comedy's often missed, misread or misjudged because of that. So if you've never thought about writing a comedy novel to get a point across, I'd try it because it's what we did. And I felt that... Um, it, it was a fascinating opportunity to experiment with with that because comedy is not something that you think you almost have to be a comedian in order to write comedy, but that's not the case, is it? I mean, we've seen that over and over. I think the misconception is that comedy is about gags and being able to write zippy one-liners, which if you're Jimmy Carr, that's fine. But if you want to want it to work in a, a, a narrative context in film or fiction or what have you it has to be truthful comedy is truth you know we we, we laugh it's funny because it's true you know and it's um and that often comes from character you know meeting situation which is where we get situation comedy um so yeah it's um i mean i think there's laughter every i've i've probably laughed more at funerals than i have at weddings you know i think you know once you face up to truths and they can be scary truths they they can be funny yeah um so yeah well, right it's, it's, right now is a great example i actually set up a whatsapp group between a, a group of very um dark humid individuals um, <laughs> and and i said right all this group is for is any any great memes and jokes and videos about quarantine and isolation and honestly it's my 
funnest thing that I do every day. It's the most, and we're all laughing and everyone's yeah. like, even I heard about nurses, they come home from an incredibly challenging day on the front line. People have, you know, died in the hospital and it's been really hard. And they say what they, they do to relax is they go and they look at some memes to make themselves laugh. And and yet they're even, you know, seeing the reality of what's happening. So, um, Laughter can well, be an incredibly powerful thing as well. Talking about nurse, yeah, I mean, this is a best-selling novel in the UK, but Adam Kay, This Is Going to Hurt, his book, he's a junior doctor. We're talking about audiobooks. The audiobook is fantastic. But I've read the book and the audiobook. He's a junior doctor, and uh, his book is hilarious and heartbreaking. It's really, really funny. That's a great example. This Is Going to Hurt by Adam Kay. Uh, and also Graham Chapman's uh, memoirs as well, because he started out as a doctor as well. That kind of gallows humour, which bled into Monty Python. Some of the darker stuff in Monty Python came from Graham, Graham Chapman, you know, yeah. because yeah. He'd, he'd, you know, he'd, he'd seen, he'd looked death in the face, which you do if you're a doctor, you know, so. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Um, yeah. How yeah. do we get on to this? Well, you know, we, we have to, you know, it's the risk of doing a podcast with him, Mark, to be totally honest. I should have put the big disclaimer in the uh, in our agreement, but, you know, no, it's, it's true. I think it's, well, I think it's important because, you know, really, what I pulled mostly from from this interview with Aisha was this, you know, the way that she used her book as a platform to talk about the experiences she was personally having and her community and, and wider, you know, culture were having as well. And I think that's just phenomenal. And then for it to become so successful, it means that that message is getting out there to such a large audience. And that really, for me, is the nub of why we write. It's why everyone listening right now wants to get their book out to the world because they want to, in some way, influence effect, uh, change someone's viewpoint, give someone a, a completely new way of looking at the world. Really, that's what we're doing as authors. You know, uh, storytelling is the vehicle in which we do that. And so to everyone out there who's struggling right now with maybe something in their book, something they think, oh, no, this is I shouldn't be doing this. And be brave, be vulnerable, open up your heart and write what you think you need to write. You can always edit it out later, but write it. Because even that in itself is a form of kind of release and therapy. So, yeah, I think such a, I mean, again, we could talk about this for hours and we will, no doubt, <laughs> because it's a biggie. <laughs> yeah. um, years and years and years. Years and years. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you want to just like, we should just, we should just like, we just open up Skype and just invite people into this to us chat 24 seven. I reckon that'd be great. It's a um, form of torture. Um, it is. <laughs> but if, but on that note, actually, if you do want us to keep talking, please do support this podcast. Please do pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support. We do have some patrons that we want to thank actually who, who have signed up in the last uh, couple of weeks as well. Um, but if you'd like to get involved, it's very simple. You just you just pledge uh, $10 a month. You sign up, you get into the BXP team, which is this incredible team of authors you've heard a lot about, plus a load of other great goodies, including early access to all of our videos and the incredible resource of the Deep Dives, which is over, I'm thinking, what, 80, 90... How many hours is it now? It's yeah. over 70, but we're 70 getting 70 hours yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of very yeah. specific one-to-one -one interviews with all the experts on everything you need to know about writing and publishing your book. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, please be upstanding for our most recent Patreon.com supporters. Michael Milton, thank you, Michael. Ellie Barker, a good day to you, Ellie, and thank you. Anne A, just Anne A. No surname. Or just the letter A. I love it when they do that. So Anna, thank you. And Darren Bodie, I bow to you, sir. All of you, thank you very, very much. And thanks to everyone who's got in touch on the social medias. And uh, we've had some great ones this week. So over on uh, Instagram, uh, Aranya.Rice, uh, who is in Bangalore. Aranya says, it's been a while, uh, but I've discovered this amazing podcast called The Best Seller Experiment. Run by these two most interesting guys. Most interesting. I like <laughs> it. <you> with me. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Aranya, a quick shout out to any of my followers who are in the process of writing a novel or intend to write someday. I promise you there are many things to learn from this podcast, from author, agent, to publisher interviews, marketing and promotional strategies. Uh, this one has been running uh, since 2016. Tune in from wherever you can. I promise it's full of wisdom. Wow. wow. I've never been accused of that before. I you? tell you what, you, that's <laughs> wonderful. How, how lovely. Isn't it, it nice is that people actually write that and 
And, it's it's and brilliant. The, and Aranya's yeah. put this lovely post on Instagram, you know, which uh, looks really slick and professional. So uh, wow. go follow Aranya.writes over on the Instas. Uh, that looks terrific. Also, Ellie Barker got in touch. She was one of our patrons. Uh, she dropped us a line. She said, I just want to write and join the many people who say thank you for your amazing work. I've learned so much from your podcast. The most inspirational story was Angela Marsons, and that's a cracking episode. And I think of it every day. I've written three books and have been rejected constantly by a agents what's well, a badge of honor ellie don't worry about that uh, so i've decided to take a leap into the world of self-publishing i loved your interview with scott pack another cracker and fingers crossed i'm now going to work with him as my editor thank you again for the work you continue to do it really is life-changing best wishes ellie barker ellie thank you so much and scott i know he edits Queeve mcdonald who we've had on the show and is a major best-selling author so i think you're doing the right thing there ellie so best of luck and please keep us posted Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, Keeve is also a, a member of the BXP team as well. So if you want to chat with him on the BXP team, just come on over and get involved. And last but by no means least, I mentioned Richie Yenikowitz at the beginning of the program, but this is this is the full post uh, that he put. I published a secret novel to Kindle on Wednesday under a pseudonym so my exceptionally fragile writer's ego can deal with the self-imposed pressure. It's a contemporary <laughs> YA fantasy. It's given me a chance to get to grips with KDP and formatting. And being somewhat inspired, I'm reworking the first part of an intended epic fantasy trilogy that I've had on the go for a couple of years, hoping to get book one out in June or July. The rom-com I wrote over Christmas. Now, you remember that? He wrote a rom-com over Christmas and New Year's is out with beta readers, be out under another pseudonym when it gets published later in the year so productivity is up writing wise i feel like i've actually made serious moves towards the end goal of making a living as a full-time author long way to go yet but it's an exciting road ahead richie salute we you, salute sir. you fantastic. sir yeah absolutely absolutely fantastic brilliant. yeah and you know again the ups and downs we've we've been with richie you know heard heard the stories and it's so great to hear um that that there's that momentum and that and exactly yeah, I, I mean this 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 is the thing if you you just have to keep going the easiest way to fail is to give up but richie has persevered he's kept going and here we are and i think this is just one step on a, a really really great journey yeah. so thanks so much for getting in touch richie and for sticking with us all this time we really appreciate it absolutely brilliant stuff well mr stay it's been a fantastic episode thank you so much to aisha malik for our amazingly inspiring interview thank you to everyone mm -hmm. to all of you that have written in to tell us about your journeys if you would like to make a public declaration to us, if you'd like to put it out there, it is the way to get the accountability you need to finish that book or whatever it is you're looking to do with your book. Send us your public declaration. We'll read it out on the show. We'll put it in the diary and we'll all cheer you on to the finish line. So drop us a note. You can email us or you can just pop along to the website, bestsellerexperiment.com. Click on the contact link in the navigation and send us a note. Mark and I read every single one that we get through and will respond. So please do get in touch. Pop along to Facebook if you'd like to join us there. Um, and we've got other social media sites, Instagram. You've got all the details, haven't you, Mark, at your end? Yeah, Twitter is at BestsellerXP, Instagram at BestsellerXP, and Facebook just Bestseller Experiment. Fantastic. And if you'd like to join the BXP team and become a supporter of the podcast, just one more reminder, bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and join the challenge, the 2020 challenge, 200 words a day. That's bxp2020.com. Do you think everyone written all those URLs down, Mark? I hope they yeah, have. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, especially as we're now slurring our words, I think it's exactly. time to wrap things up. <laughs> Just Google bestseller just experiment. Google it, yeah. <laughs> just, just Google us. Just We're bloody there. Google it. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. Well, listen, have a great couple of weeks, Mark. It's been fantastic chatting with you again. Can't wait to hear how everything goes with Claire's book. Keep us mm. in the loop on that one. And we'll until next, next time, folks, we look forward to bringing you another fun-packed, inspired-filled episode of The Bestseller Experiment. It's goodbye from Mark 1. As goodbye from Mark 2. <laughs> goodbye. goodbye.